today on Ag News Daily. So that's really an important thing to think about. And then beyond that, you have to know how to respond. You cannot assume that you have the expertise to handle this should it happen to your operation. Good afternoon and happy Thursday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr going solo once again today as Delaney was doing some travel. I was also doing some travel today going back home to Dallas for the weekend to visit my family. And of course, along the way, I saw some folks out in the fields getting to some cotton. So I'm sure by the time we talk next week, we'll of course have some crop progress numbers and talk about that there. Harvest is really coming to an end for a lot of folks, although cotton, of course, really is just getting started here. But we're going to continue to have some harvest conversations on the podcast. So please do tune in and stick around for those conversations. But for now, I'm going to kick things over to some news. And I have an interesting story here. Of course, we've been talking about a couple of different bottlenecks that have been going on in the supply chain. And the lack of truckers has been one thing just in transportation in particular, that has really plagued the nation. We did our labor mini-series back in, I believe it was August, and chatted with a trucker then about what's been going on in that industry. And it looks like we might have a simple solution maybe for the short term. Don't know if it would be a long-term solution, but the Midwest Truckers Association says that the Department of Transportation is kicking the tires on a pilot program that could help improve these bottlenecks. Executive Director Don Schaefer says that the program could allow truck drivers under 21 to cross state lines to move ag products. Congressman Dusty Johnson of South Dakota and more than 80 bipartisan House members have sent a letter to Secretary Pete Buttigieg asking the DOT's Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration to implement the program. Schaefer says that state CDL laws can be problematic for producers because it prevents 18 to 20-year-old drivers from traveling interstate. Johnson also says that... The Biden administration isn't taking tangible steps to fix the problem, and the program could add more than 3,000 truck drivers to the industry. So if this does come to fruition, I think it, of course, could help us out here. My thing is, I don't know if there's going to be 18 to 20-year-olds that are interested or wanting to do these kinds of things, but I mean, they say 3,000 truck drivers to the industry. Really cross my fingers there and hope that, you know, something does come of this, but in the meantime, going to chat a little bit more here about the soybean oil market. Ed Cinco, who is the director of purchasing at Schwebel's Baking Company in Ohio, says... Among the many challenges facing the food supply chain is a soybean oil crisis that's leaving bakers scrambling to find supplies that they need. Cinco pointed to the 2020 drought, lower than expected projected plantings in 2021, and the EPA's renewable biodiesel program as factors limiting soybean oil. His organization wants to see the EPA set renewable volume obligation targets that allow for the food supply chain to go undisrupted. Cinco testified on behalf of the American Bankers Association during this week's U.S. House Ag Committee's supply chain hearing, saying that members estimate if unable to source some ingredients, production is likely to be cut by 15%. 
So definitely not good news there. We're continuing to see issues in the supply chain, you know, not just in the ag industry. Of course, this is, you know, a a segment of the ag industry. It's kind of a domino effect here, but going to keep my eyes out on, you know, this bottleneck in particular, this supply chain issue in particular, just because, you know, when it comes to our food and production being cut by 15%, that does not, you know, sound pleasant, does not sound good for producers or consumers. Another thing I am keeping my eyes out on today is Taiwan, as they raised a trade complaint against China at a World Trade Organization meeting over Beijing's move to block imports of two types of fruit from Taiwan. Taiwan, whose relationships, as we know with China, are at their lowest in decades, had previously threatened to raise the matter at the Global Trade Watchdog. The fruits in question are sugar apples, also known as sweet sops or custard apples, and wax apples, both Taiwan specialties, which do not really resemble apples, funny enough. But Taiwan's Council of Agriculture said in a statement earlier today that its WTO delegation has raised specific trade concerns on the issue against China and the WTO committee that oversees compliance with sanitary and phonosanitary measures. The statement said that China had not responded to its request for bilateral talks on the issue and dialogue at the meeting, but that Taiwan would continue its efforts. So we're going to, I think, see something come of this just because of the relationship that China has with Taiwan. But um, that's really all I have on the matter right now. Going to, of course, keep looking out to see what comes of this. If China is going to come out and say something to Taiwan or if they're going to, you know, speak on this issue. Um, I do, I think just because it's a Taiwanese specialty that there's such a dispute here, but I don't know. I'm not from Taiwan, never had these fruits, so can't really say much on that. But for my last story today, It comes out of Brazil, as Brazil's JBS aims to cut cow methane emissions globally with a feed additive. Earlier today, JBS South America announced a partnership with health and nutrition company Royal DSM with the goal of reducing methane emissions on its global supply chains. JBS said that it would use a feed additive called Bovair, developed by Netherlands-based DSM, to reduce methane emissions on its supply chains as part of a broader initiative to be carbon neutral by 2040. This feed additive, Bovier, I'm not sure that I'm saying it right, it's B-O-V-A-E-R if any of you are interested in looking into it, but it consists of a molecule synthesized from two natural compounds, and it can help cut beef cow methane emissions up to 90%, and that's according to JBS, which cited a recent study conducted in Australia. It's not clear yet as to what point in the production cycle that the speed additive would be used as a natural supplement, but Bovier has received regulatory approval in Brazil back in September. Initially, JBS said that it would give the additive to confined cattle, and in six months it plans to test it in a second market, which could be Australia or the United States, where of course they have operations. So if it does come into the U.S., I'm curious as to what our cattle producers would say about the matter. So within, you know, the next, however long I said, six months, we might be seeing this on U.S. shores. 
But that is really all the news that I have to talk about today. And I honestly don't really want to hop into the markets as it was kind of a negative day here for the grains in the corn contract. The December was down four and three quarter cents, close at 5.59 and a quarter. The March down four and a half cents, close at 5.67 and three quarters. In soybeans, the November contract down 22 and a quarter cents, close at 12.09 and a quarter. The January down 21 and a half cents to close at 12.22 and three quarters. Over in the wheat markets, the December contract down 27 cents to close at 10.17. The March down 25 and three quarter cents to close at 10.01 and a quarter. Heading over into livestock. Negative day here for cattle as the live cattle contract. December down a dollar oh two and a half to close at one thirty sixty two and a half. The February down eighty cents to close at one thirty five eighty five. In feeder cattle, the November contract down a dollar fifteen to close at one fifty eight oh two and a half. The January down a dollar oh five to close at one fifty eight seventeen and a half. In lean hogs, some green on the screen here as the December contract is up a dollar ninety-two and a half to close at seventy-seven eighty-seven and a half. The February up a dollar sixty-two and a half to close at eighty seventeen and a half. Rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures, the November contract down fifteen cents to close at seventeen ninety-three. The December down eight cents to close at seventeen eighty-nine, and the January up five cents to close at eighteen fourteen. With that, I'm going to kick it over to my conversation chatting to Vicki Myers about cybersecurity and the ransomware attacks. Well, today we are chatting cybersecurity with Vicki Myers, who is a senior editor at the Progressive Farmer Magazine and DTN. Vicki, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. So, Vicki, I want to know just a little bit about your background here, because before we started recording, you know, we talked about how you have just become the cybersecurity person here lately. So you don't really have a particular background in cybersecurity, but you're here to tell us about it anyway. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you typically write about? Uh, sure. Uh, I've been with uh, the Progressive Farmer for 32 years, and I cover a variety of subject matter uh, including special topics, and cybersecurity was certainly one of those that we decided to do a cover story on for the October issue. And so I'm a reporter. I did a lot of research. I am big on research, but you know, I don't want to put myself out there as an expert in cybersecurity. I'm, I'm not a programmer or anything like that. But uh, I can certainly share with you what I have have come across through my research and 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 the knowledge that I've gained. So with your research, I want to know a little bit more about why the ag industry is really being targeted here. Why us? Well, you know, uh, this is an evolving issue right now, and I certainly think it's it's one of the most important things. Uh, for agriculture in decades, uh, perhaps in, in my career. First, we saw Colonial Pipeline. Uh, then we saw JBS hit. Uh, and most recently, we saw a new cooperative out of Iowa, where a group calling itself Black Matter demanded a $5.9 million ransom. Um, early reports on that indicate they refused to pay 
and federal agents were on site. Um, so this is certainly an evolving issue. And you ask why agriculture? And I think there are a lot of reasons for these attacks uh, specific to agriculture. Um, the United States is a global leader in ag technology. So the technology itself holds a great deal of value. And hackers may attempt to steal trade secrets to help move of some foreign entity to America's level without investing the time or the financial resources. So, so there's that. There's that drive for technology from foreign inter- entities. But there's also, and, and probably more the issue for the average farmer or rancher, is that agriculture is comprised of a number of smaller uh, localized businesses, even startups. And either they haven't updated their security or they lack the finances to invest in systems that are unique to them with all the available protections. So it does sort of create... Um, an opportunity, if you will, uh, to to hackers to get into these areas right now. So I want to talk about who is really vulnerable to these attacks specifically, because we've seen some big names like JBS, but are some smaller, you know, maybe family-run operations vulnerable as well? I think they're more vulnerable, um, and and that's that's where my concern really is. I mean, when you look at some huge entity, they have the finances to come back from something like this. But our smaller family-run operations don't necessarily have that capability. And so that's a big concern for me. Um, You know, I, I would hate to see smaller operations across our country basically have to close down because of attacks like this. And I I think that a lot of people kind of share those same views. And I'm one of them. I would really hate to see anyone, you know, fall victim to these kind of attacks, you know, let alone those, you know, smaller guys out there. But with that being said, there has to be some ways that we can protect ourselves from these cybersecurity ransomware attacks. So do you have any advice or things that people can be doing right now in order to hopefully not fall victim? Sure. And, and you know, a lot of this applies to all of us, whether we're in agriculture or, or whether we're not. Um, let's just start with the idea of you don't want to make yourself an easy target. You know, just like you wouldn't leave your your truck outside the local Walmart with the keys in the ignition and the doors unlocked. You know, there is a level of personal responsibility that's really important here. And and we need to remember that over 90%, 90% of these malware attacks are coming in through email phishing. So that's really an important thing to think about. And then beyond that, you have to know how to respond. You cannot assume that you have the expertise to handle this should it happen to your operation. You need to reach out to three groups. Do not try to engage with the hackers. You need to speak with law enforcement. You need to speak with your insurance company. And if you have a contract with an identity restoration company, you need to speak with them. I mean, those to me are the first three phone calls you make should this happen. 
And infrastructure has also been a big talk in the ag industry right now. And although it's a little bit different, what we're seeing in terms of cybersecurity also plays into infrastructure a little bit. So I kind of just want to pick your brain there because this is, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in your article that I'll be sure to link in the episode description. So if any of our listeners want to go and read up on that, they can. But I just want to chat infrastructure a little bit here, Vicki. Sure. Um, I sat in on a cybersecurity expo held by the USDA a couple of weeks ago, and the FBI person who who gave a great presentation, um, he said that our supply chain issues were really the thing that kept him up nights, because if you think about it, these are the things that link all of these businesses together. And so hackers are, are bad actors that can get into supply chains, to into our infrastructure, shipping, things like that. They can effectively shut down multiple layers of an industry, you know, not just at the production level, but at, at all the different levels, all the way to up to the consumer. And I think that we've already seen some of that when you look at uh, cargo ships uh, not being able to get in and unload. You know, there are some issues there. Uh, it's, it's, it is something that is very, very serious. And I really think that it's time that all of us uh, took this as seriously as we possibly could. Um, and, and under that premise, uh, there are a lot of just basic things that I'd like to touch on that um, all of our listeners can do if if they are willing to take a few minutes to do them. And I realize it's sort of like gathering up all of your paperwork to go to the accountant before tax season. Nobody enjoys it and nobody wants to do it. But I think we've reached a point where there's some steps that we all need to be taking right now. So, Vicki, just kind of one final thing here as we kind of wrap up, and that's, you know, kind of a call to action here. And, you know, what do people do if this does happen to them or, you know, their operation, their company, whatever, you know, they're doing? What do they need to do if they do see some kind of attack happen? You know, no matter, you know, how much we try to protect ourselves, you know, things tend to happen. So what can we do if we do see this occur? Sure. Um, a couple of things. Let me run through my my list really quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, under the premise that we can do a lot just by following some basic steps. And the first thing I would encourage people to do is look at their email with skepticism. If you receive an unexpected email, it has links. It's just not, it doesn't seem right. Delete it, you know. Also consider a multi-factor authentication program on your email, on any financial accounts. And that's where you get a little number texted to you, usually on your um, phone. And you enter that number in order to gain access to that account or to that email account or whatever it may be. And that is a great protection. Also, update all of your devices. If you get a patch or an update notice, it is a pain, yes, but there is a reason that those patches and updates are sent out. And often it's because the developers have already seen some kind of breach and they're trying to protect you. And so you need to take the time to 
to download those. And if your device is too old to update, then I hate to say it, but you really need to think about upgrading that device. Um, talk to the companies that you do business with and, and ask them point blank what type of security measures they have in place and how long it's going to take them to be back up if their systems are attacked. Um, talk to your insurance provider. Find out what they cover. A lot of people have unfortunately found that these losses are not covered by insurance. And I think they've been surprised, and, and that's been a financial hit for a lot of people. So you need to talk to your insurance provider. You should consider an identity restoration contract if that is at all possible for your business. Update your passwords. Please do not use the names of your pets or the street you live on or your birthday month or anything like that. These need to be really difficult passwords. And, and I know that they're hard to remember, but there are password apps to help you. You can also keep, keep pen and paper. I mean, I think that's in some cases uh, safer than having them somewhere on your computer. And lastly, you know, I would like to say when you get a phone call, I mean, everybody I know, farmers and ranchers, they're also friendly and they're they're also nice. But if someone calls you and you don't know who they are and they want to ask you a lot of personal questions or ask you for personal information, you know, don't just assume that they are who they say they are. Uh, reach out to someone you trust to double check. Uh, their identity and to be sure they're legitimate before you give them any personal information. And, and then lastly, you know, to get back to, to the point, we've kind of made this big circle. If it happens to you, um, I would try to get every computer, everything I had offline immediately. I would call law enforcement. I would call my insurance company. And I would check with any identity restoration company. And I know that I've mentioned identity restoration several times. But one of the things I heard in doing my research is that those people who already have contracts with identity restoration companies, when something happens, they go to the front of the line. There are a lot of these cases of breaches going on right now that we're not hearing about. They're, they're smaller. They're not in the news. If you don't have a contract, or, or you know, anything with an identity restoration company or your insurance company doesn't have such a relationship, you are going to go to the back of the line. And it's going to take a lot longer to get your systems back up. Well, Vicki, we certainly appreciate you coming on here and really just sharing your thoughts and your research with us. Like I mentioned there, I'm going to have one of your cybersecurity articles linked in our episode. So if anybody wants to go and give that a read or read any of your other articles, they can. But if anyone wants to reach out to you via social media, get a little bit more information, anything like that, where can they find you at online? Uh, sure. Just reach out to me through um, my work email address, Vicki, V-I-C-K-I dot Myers, M-Y-E-R-S at DTN.com. Well, Vicki, thank you once more for coming on and chatting with us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it.
thanks again there to Vicky for coming on and chatting with us. You know, she is no expert, but she has done a fair amount of research on this. So I definitely trust her thoughts when it comes to what we can do to protect ourselves, our businesses. So folks definitely try to include some kind of plan as we have seen these kinds of attacks really on the rise within the past year or so. But folks, if you want to continue to listen in on the conversations that we're having in the Ag News Daily podcast, you can tune in at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you find your podcasts. With that, I'm going to let the people go.